Welcome to the most forward-thinking, inspirational podcast on the planet. Prepare to reevaluate everything you've been taught and get ready to launch your mind into an entirely new reality. If you've always felt there had to be more to life, more to existence, then you're listening to the right podcast. Get comfortable, pour yourself a drink, sit back, and let your host, Adam R. Walton, expand your horizons. This is going to be good. This is going to be fun. This is going to be mind-bending. Time to think. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mental Mastery Alliance podcast. Today is going to be a little bit of fun. Today I have with me a guest, a wonderful woman whom I met through the Instagram. She liked one or two of my posts and she had a lot to say. And I was listening and it was amazing. And she caught my attention with her passion that came across in text. It doesn't happen that often. So it's always nice and refreshing to catch it. She was weary and leery to go on other shows. She had celebrity run-ins and she's beaten herself up quite a bit over some of these things. But we're going to get to the root of all of that. We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to show you, the audience, how an audience member can, can pay attention, can take a look, can take a listen, can get a feel for it, and basically just go and flow and, and vibe with, with the energy of the ethos. There's no reason that we shouldn't be together. There's no reason that we shouldn't have connected, that we shouldn't have gotten where we need to be uh, to have this conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, I have with us today Amber Foreman, and she is going to speak probably a lot of truths that you yourself can relate to. Um, she's got the gumption and the balls to step up and do it in front of all of you. But uh, I think I blew her away when I told her the size of the audience. Um, I, think, uh, I think she's ready for it, though. I think she's absolutely ready for it. And I think you guys are ready for her. Her and I have just done about a 20-minute uh, pre-show banter back and forth, and there were so many things I wanted to or wished was in the show. And I just said, we have to get into it. We have to jump into it. We have to get going. So I'm going to learn about her, and her and I are going to have a great conversation right in front of you guys. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm 100% sure of it. Amber Foreman, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Welcome to being a fly on our on the wall. <laughs> That's right. And on the wall, you have a very, very rock solid bearded skulled Viking, I've noticed. I quite like that. Isn't he cool? Is. I got that when meeting up with a friend, um, trying to, kind of in my spiritual awakening, trying to understand my own view and my own belief system of what life is Mm -hmm. and she was like meet me at this witch store (laughs) and um from there we just i got a reading for the first time which was kind of fucky and i found that guy and i just fell in love with him that's my heritage (laughs) i love that no that's great it's a great picture Uh, nobody can see you by the way this is just i don't use the video for anything it's just you and me staring at each other back and forth i'm not even wearing pants and i'm not kidding shorts there we go (laughs) i got sweats on that's right. I did. Uh, it's a funny thing because when you do your Zoom meetings, all you really have to do is wear half an outfit. But uh, yeah, I just finished with the working out and I figured, hey, I'm going to jump on. You know, I can't wear my sweats. I'll throw on a collared shirt. And, and it was a plaid. It was a Canadian tuxedo. I'm from Canada. There, you know what? It's it, in that and where I'm from, that's the redneck uniform. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. I said Canadian tuxedo, but I also said plaid. So there are some Canadian listeners going, no, sir. A Canadian tuxedo is gene, denim on denim on denim. <laughs> Yes. Well, there you go. So I stand corrected on that one for sure. <laughs> so, 
Amber, you and I were shooting the shit about a lot of um, natural light, a lot of natural sort of essence that's going on in the world, uh, toxicity, how we relate to it, all that sort of stuff. How is it, or how do you get on uh, in this world uh, and, and understanding sort of where you fit in? Give us a little bit of a rundown of, I guess, who you are and how you got to maintain this amazing mentality that have us talking right now. How, how did you get here? Tell us um, a little bit about you. I think it, me, it, my whole life I've been kind of an outsider. Though people who maybe knew me in high school or didn't, wouldn't have seen me that way. I was within a friend group, but very bullied within it. And, um, and so I didn't quite belong. And as I bounced around from friend group to friend group, I never really fit in or stuck anywhere. Um, and then I, when I did find someone that I stuck with, uh, unfortunately he ended up dying. And that, I, I think where it led me to where I am today, maybe has started through a series of impactful deaths as dark and as dark as that is, is there is light in death and that can expose you to some of the, your deepest emotions that we all run from because it's not fun. It doesn't feel good, but there's a lot that can be learned there. And I think through my journey of just kind of being exposed through all of that and a lot of different traumas, as well as having a solid dad who would help me understand the perspective that I wasn't seeing. It's interesting that you, that you talk about, you know, friend groups um, in society. Uh, I myself had uh, basically one friend, uh, Ryan, if you're listening, you were my boy. Um, and that was, that was high school. And I was the same way. I, w I traveled through multiple groups, you know, but never fit in. Um, I think that that's kind of something that, you know, is, it, it would easily run the gamut. Uh, of of the majority of the listeners, things that things that we think are unique to us, like why why am I why am I you know a loner? Why am I this? Why am I that? And it's funny because you know we have our or our preconceived notions of kind of what where we are, what we're doing, how it all works out. You were talking about being bullied uh, in high school or, or bullied in your group of friends, and how you you know you you were you know definitely on sort of the loner side, and you said. You know, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, well, they would look at you now and, and, and based on society standards, you're an attractive female, blonde, blue eyes, you know, just good bone They're structure. Green. You know, oh, green eyes. There <laughs> we go. Good blonde hair, green eyes. That's, that's almost <laughs> leprechaunish. So, you know, th there's, there's a lot of structure to it. And then we, we rest inside our head where we're like, well, I'm this, I'm that. I, I give myself these titles. I give myself this and that. For, for me, when I look back on the times that I was bullied or the times that I allowed myself to be pushed around in those scenarios and those situations as a kid, they each and every one of them taught me to be stronger. So I can honestly say I was never the victim of, uh, of a bully. Like I've never been a victim of the victim mentality, let's just say. Yes. Because, because I was bullied for sure. But I think every kid is bullied. And I honestly believe in bullying. And, and Right. And I'm oh, sorry, to go off on that topic <laughs> with bullying, um, I didn't realize I was being bullied until I turned like 28 and was walking back through my life and trying to understand myself further mm -hmm. and where my insecurities came from. And that's when I started kind of looking back and going, God, those girls were most of them. I mean, some of them were, but 
one of them in particular, Lee, was never my friend. And how did I not see it? How it's because you wanted, you, wanted, you wanted something more. But, and so, then I genuinely loved her and cared about her. So therefore, I took it in jest. Mm-hmm. I took everything in jest when it wasn't. It was malicious. And as I look back as an adult, you can see that. Well, there's multiple stages of being an adult. <laughs> there's, there's tons. <laughs> I mean, I can't even count them. But think about this. When you, you're talking about when you're in high school, this, this girl whom you loved was, was a real bitch. Yeah. Uh, and you didn't see it. And then at 28, you look back. And how it impacted me. At how it impacted you. But now at, at this age, I'm assuming you're 30. 31. You know, 31. Three years later, you can probably look back and see that it had nothing to do with you at all. And mm-hmm. had everything to do with how her. shitty she felt about herself. I absolutely see that. And, and this is one of the things that society has a hard time grasping or grabbing onto right now. And I am wagging my finger as I say this, ladies and gentlemen, all of you, well, maybe not you guys, I'm pretty sure you guys are all right, but the people in your lives, you know, every single person who's ever wronged you or perpetrated a, a, an indecent act towards you or anything like that has everything to do with them. If they made you a victim, they themselves at some point in their lives were the victim. They are lashing out. They're, they're, the whole world right now wants to, wants to admonish the aggressor, but they never really look into him and see why did he do what he did. Misery loves company. Exactly. And a lot, like almost 99% of the time, the perpetrator was at one point the victim. Mm-hmm. So instead I, of saying, why did he do this to me? You say, what happened to you? You know, and then you can also look at it and say, what happened to me because of this? I have, I have a similar story growing up. I was, uh, I was a, uh, a large fella and I was a security guard at a, a few of the bars um, in my hometown. And I remember one night there was an instance where uh, one, of the, one of the individuals, they got into a fight. Uh, these two guys at the bar got into a fight and one of them punched him so hard he put the other kid in the hospital. And there's a saying that a lot of the millennials and, the, and the, the people after the millennials don't understand. And that saying is talk shit, get hit. Yeah. So when I grew up, if you ran your mouth, you got punched in it. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> nobody called the cops. Nobody pulled a knife. Nobody pulled a gun. You right? beat each Men, other up. Boys fist fought and then they got over it. <laughs> That's how it worked. Now, this particular night, um, one of my friends was highly aggressive and the other one was a douchebag. They weren't friends at the time. They were complete and perfect strangers. So one of my friends punches, I'm leaving all names out here. One of my friends punches the other one, puts him in the hospital. Uh, the other one's family goes to sue. So now there is altercations. Now the two of them are brought together. Flash forward. My, my friend who, who threw the punch felt so bad about it because he knew it was an aggressive. He knew it was an overreaction. He felt destroyed by it. Um, by putting this kid in the hospital. Then the lawsuit comes and then they start talking back and forth. And the kid that got hit was in the same boat. He's like, I ran my mouth. I had no business saying what I was saying. I was a giant piece of shit. And the two of them came to this crazy arrangement and agreement. Nobody got sued. Nobody got, everything got dropped. And the two of them are to this day, good friends. So what, what was a crazy tragedy turned into an amazing life lesson for both of them. Don't run your mouth to that extent and don't be the person who puts himself in this position to get punched so hard. Also, don't be the person that's throwing these punches arbitrarily at people. So one terrible situation that could have gone, that could have gone terribly. The guy could have died. The other one could have ended up in jail. It turns out the two of them have become lifelong friends. 
and they both become better people for it. This is an act of violence, um, but an act of violence that was perpetrated and taught to us through all the media that we've ever seen. Wars and all these things, this is all on the television. You know, the Americans right now are, are, are fighting over 600 or $2,000. Yet billions and billions and billions are being sent overseas and, they're being, and wars are being fought and, and, and you guys are paying your taxes and, and, and your government's just letting you down everywhere. And on the flip side of that, I do have to say, Americans are fighting over $600 when we have so fucking much. Go to a country where they don't even have food and water. Like, th- we need to have some perspective. And yes, it's hard. And yes, the government is screwing us. And that's, we need to correct that. But we also need to be aware of the impact that we as Americans are creating and how our perspective has been so narrowed to our own realities. I, that we're I also, completely blind to the uglier parts of the world. Completely oh, yeah. Blind. And, and I, think, I think, too, that in, you know, in this scenario, in this situation, that uh, with regards to my friends, you know, you, like I said, you take an ugly situation and you make it better. With regards to the states, with regards to the situation in the states, 600 or 2,000 is a moot point to argue over because 600 will be gone in a second. 2,000 will be gone in two seconds, right? We've lost so much with regards to businesses, prosperity, this, that, and the other thing. But we've also gained massive amounts of perspective. My, one of my questions with regards to that is if, if the American government is giving so much money away to so many other countries, I wonder if there's any country ever anywhere that's like, you know what? We're going to collect taxes from our citizens and give it to the U.S. I doubt it. I mean. Right. So if, we, if you really look into, if you really look more into that, you know, there's so much more to argue over, but we're stuck right now on arguing over face masks. We're stuck on arguing over $600 versus $2,000. And we're stuck on arguing over if Biden stole the election, which he clearly did. But doesn't did. that all sound a little bit like distractions to you? 100%, right? Which is... I mean, because so they're what are they? all very, in the grand scheme, they're all pretty trivial things. Yeah. The, the president of the United States is nothing more than a puppet. Yeah. And always has been now there are some that have more powerful more say or do things their own way um but i think what we're seeing now is i don't know honestly i i don't know what the truth is or how much of it is a master deception and at the end it's going to pull 180 that's going to shock everybody because we're all because i listen to some of the dialect going on online and this i'll i'll go with this nancy pelosi and McConnell thing and then Holly, the brand new thing that just happened with people going and vandalizing or showing up at senators' houses, right? There's the duality in that, where I saw patriots or the Anons or all the people that are awake relishing and, and laughing about the pig's head on Nancy Pelosi's and the spray paint there. But when it happens to our own, the videos I've seen aren't, so, aren't violent, but we're crying foul. That's not going to like, I just feel like it's just pitting everything against each other and nothing's being resolved. And it's I have an the issue. same thing. I have, I, I agree with that. hundred percent. I agree with that. Uh, and a more, you know, a, a, um, my stance on that is there are extreme left and extreme right people. So the people that are putting out pigs heads or whatever are, you know, they're a thing. And the, crazy. and the people that are crying foul on the other side, like the people that are like so pro Trump, like you guys are fucking nuts too. You can't be, a hundred percent pro Trump without realizing that he's just a, a, a pawn in the game as much as we are. 
right? there's, a, there's an angle. So there are, obviously there are both extremes. There are, there's, there's the left and the right, but, but the world is starting to wake up to the fact that these are both wings of the same bird. There's a middle. There is a middle. And in that middle lies an answer. And in that, answer, in that answer, it's, it's almost like, I don't know what the answer is. I do know that I have more questions about it, but I know that in that answer, in that, in that centerpiece between the left and the right of the political spectrum, there is a truth. And that truth has nothing to do with politics. Politics as a whole is a distraction, a distraction that's shedding the light of what it truly is. I mean, when what's his nuts drop the, the, the opening uh, thing with a men and a women. Oh my gosh. Like basically he just, what he just said to all of America was, I think you're a joke and welcome to it. So it's almost like all of the political stance on all of it has just with that one sentence revealed itself as the world's longest running circle jerk. Mm-hmm. And we have, we have to come to an understanding, to an agreement, to a, to a center of not fighting the left and the right, not fighting over who's wearing a mask and who's not, not fighting over $600 to $2,000, but understanding and, 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 and I guess trying to come to peace with who or what we are in amongst all this. Because if you want money in today's day and age, you can go out and make it. If you want to complain about not having money, you will go out and complain. So, and there are so many people that are like, I, I have nothing. I have no way to start. And every single person started somewhere. I came from nothing, right? So I started with nothing and I've built myself up to right now. And those that are just finding me now or my programs or what's going on with the Mental Mastery Alliance, people that are just finding it, like this guy's got it, you know, he, he's starting ahead of the eight ball. Man, I started with nothing. I started when I had to figure out what I was going to do with my last $10, like 30 times a month. I had to figure this out, you know, (laughs) right. And this, this is one of those things where, you know, you just simply keep learning from mistakes from this, from that. What people don't understand is, you know, success is but a moment in time. The, what happens immediately after you've succeeded in something, it's Tuesday morning and you've got to start again. Right. Next day. Yeah. Failure is the same thing. As soon as you fail, you pick your pieces up and you start again. Right? There's nothing permanent until you're dead. And even death isn't permanent. We don't know anything about death. Death could just be the beginning of the next level. Mario. You know, and one, I think what, as we as humans, what we're struggling so much is that we're running, we're, we're struggling to balance emotional and logic. Emotion and logic, totally. As, as individuals, as well as communication is just huge right now. And when, with you saying death is not the end, I think, I don't know what I believe there. And that's, I, I'm okay with that. But I, what, it, what grief has taught me is that whether or not you believe in a soul, and, which I do, I personally do, but I know there's a lot of people out there that don't. So whether or not you believe that you live on in a literal sense, you do live on after death because you impact the people. The people that grieve you absorb a piece of who you are in that grieving process. And you need, and to change, so even if you don't feel that you live on after death, you do, you do live on. And the power of life is in taking control of how you live on within the people that you impact. I see it differently. I see that when I leave, I take the game with me. It's like when, you, when you're at your friend's house, when you got, the, you got the N64 out or the GameCube for you and your generation, maybe the PS1, I don't know. <laughs> you take your disc out and you go home and you leave. So when you die, you take it with you. I, 
I firmly believe in, uh, you know, and this, it's not religious, it's not anything because religion plays a factor in all of it. Religion, spirituality, all of it plays a factor. I believe that where we are and what we're experiencing right now is a video game. I believe it's simulation. I believe that there's nothing, I believe that there's nothing more to, to this world than exactly what we create of it. Because think about this. Everything you've ever wanted, you currently have. Everything you've ever worked for, you currently have. Everything you've currently, everything that you ever manifested in your life, you currently possess. True. And that simply means you take it from inside your head and you create it. So you, for example, I'm like this, I'm like, you, you, when you messaged me, however it started, I'd have to go back to see how it started, but you decided you wanted, life or something. you wanted to talk. So you did. And then you listened to the show and you manifested. And also you'd been approached by other people to be on shows and you were going to be on shows and you wanted to be on shows and you want to write a book and you want to yeah. help people. You want to create things. So you're in the process right now of manifesting. Each and every one of these steps is a piece of your journey, of your life. You're going yep. to create. You're going to write that book. You're going to be a place where people can express PTSD. Ladies and gentlemen, she's a military wife as well. So there is a huge amount of PTSD and all kinds of stuff surrounding her existence. And she knows that she's ready to help, even though she's still shy about it. So all of it is manifestation. And on top of that, if we take away manifestation, like literally you can manifest anything you want. And if people don't believe that, look around, every single person listening right now, look around in your life. All of this you have manifested. Everything that you hold dear to yourself, you have manifested. And everything you do not like is a navigational ploy for you to get around, for you to learn how it works. On top of that, the building blocks of the world in which we currently inhabit are identical. The atom is the smallest particle that we know of. And then when we get inside the atom, which they've done recently, they find quarks, 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 and quasons. So in between the quarks, quarks, and quasons is space, and the quarks, quarks, and quasons are energy. So the building block of society, the building block of every single thing, the atoms that are in my monitor, that are in my skin, that are in my hat, my microphone, my coffee, all of these atoms are identical. You, you, you break the finest molecules from my wall down to the finest molecules from my coffee and you come up with the same thing. They're all the same, you're right. Right? And inside that atom is, a, is quarks, quarks, and quasons, which is energy. So when you break it down as far as we've ever been able to break it down, our naked eye with the, the help of the machine can break it down to energy. Therefore... Where we live, ladies and gentlemen, is a holodeck on the Enterprise Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> so, and I, I totally agree that it's all, we're all just energy and it's all just a, and that's, it's, it's hard to, you're really good at putting it into words because I have not been able to find the words to explain like what this whole enlightening of the last few years of my life has, has brought me because I'm a skeptic. I'm of? a very skeptic person and I had reached a point in my life where I had been reached a point where I was okay with admitting that I don't know. And I'll just find out when I get there kind of about the afterlife and what this all means. That's part of the journey, by the way, (laughs) once you, once you, once you, once you start acquiring a ton of knowledge, you get to a point where you realize you, you just keep stockpiling knowledge. You get to a point where you realize you don't know anything. Right. Because the world is the, the, if there are a hundred topics that humanity can talk about, right? The world has allowed us 
to talk about five of them vigorously. But if you venture outside of those five topics into any of the other 95 topics, you're called crazy. You are. You're told you're absolutely batshit. Yes. And honestly, like one of the biggest things that I've shot for in my life is, <laughs> is I, it would be so much easier to be told you were crazy because then it explains what goes on in your head. But to have, have multiple, multiple psychotherapists be like, no, you're pretty, you're, you're saying you've got it figured out. It makes life a lot harder because you actually have to do something with it. And it's not just fixed with a prescription and you just call yourself bipolar or I'm not saying that those things don't, don't exist. They do exist. But I do think a lot of times we are misdiagnosed because we think bigger than people can perceive and can understand. And when you have, when you're a big thinker, people want to rein you in because it's intimidating. Yeah, people they don't want, want to, to have you. to see. If you've got too many thoughts, if you've got, if you, if you talk about something that they don't understand, you're nuts. Right. So I don't know about bipolar, but I also don't give any credence to any of the systems that are in place anymore. So am I a lunatic? Maybe. Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, I don't, you resonate? I don't, I don't believe in money. I don't, you know, for the longest time I hunted money. I needed money. I don't need money. Well, I mean, like you need it to live, right? But there comes a certain point in time where you're like, holy shit, if I invest in crypto and if I do this, this, and this, then these are going to be the results. Now, what does the world want you to believe? Crypto is a risk. Investing is a risk. Learning is a risk. Everything's a risk. You should be careful of this because that's a risk, right? But when yeah. you live fearlessly, you simply manifest. So people are like, everything's a risk. I can't do anything. Yet there's other people out there building algorithms that are like, holy shit, we just made 90 grand in 48 hours, right? And then you realize that money's fucking nothing. It's, it's a route. You, you spend your entire life hunting money only to realize that- It's a digital that number. It's, yeah. Somebody slaps the EMP and all of your money's gone. You have no, act. the only money you have is whatever's in your hand. And for most of us, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. Most of us, that's like $28.32. And even then it's going to be coin. Yeah, people can, dollar bills are paper. Real money's going to be gone. Crypto's coming in. Crypto's going to be the change, right? But again, this is, this is, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's inevitable that crypto is going to be the change. Fiat is dying. It's going to be dying. It's going to be dead in, you know, within five years, there's going to be a huge financial change where a dollar bill won't be worth anything. You know, there's going to be a timeout. There's going to be a shift and change. But cryptocurrencies is the only thing that, you know, in the future is going to be like my bots are talking to your bots. So these are the things that are going to exchange value. But value in and of itself is changing because the only reason the dollar has any value is because I agree that it has value and you agree that it has value. When it no longer has any value, what's the point in it? You know what it means? is like it's time. Your time. Say you wanted to buy a jet ski, for example. Your time goes into doing something that becomes money that then becomes the jet ski. So you traded hours for that jet ski with or without the money. So you could say to the guy that has the jet ski, be like, you know what? I will, I'll build you a shed. You know, that's what I'm going to trade my time for your jet ski. And that's sort of yep. thing. So, and everyone can knock this and say, this is, this is that and the other thing and, and can be like, I'm a crazy person. That's not how it works. Society needs money. How are we supposed to take, pay taxes with, with good deeds? That's all. That's, that's another thing. Oh yeah. Barter system. And that's, and that's the thing about money. 
right? Money exists and taxation exists, not so that the government has your taxes, but so that you don't have the money. And if you don't have the money, you have to keep working to earn more money. It's all a scam. It's all a sham. And it's all of it. It's being led. It's, it's being, it's coming to light right now. So people are stressing about $2,000, about wearing face masks, about this, about that. What they're not seeing is that the entire world around us is crumbling. The lie that they created that keeps you depressed. The abundance that, that, that we live in has been shrouded by scarcity. Scarcity has been created by those around us and intentionally to keep us down. It's like being in prison except for they invented sort of a prison to be like, well, that's prison. So what I'm in isn't prison. I'm free. Yeah. But it's, but it's also a distraction, right? right? Now the real rub is, sorry, I'm going to run this. I'm going to run this gamut right to the end. The real rub is all of this. <laughs> this whole thing is, is everything I just said is far too meticulous to be actually perpetrated by any one individual. Oh, for sure. So the whole plan, the only person, the only, the only way that all of this could possibly be the truth, which I firmly believe it to be, is if you are in control. You are the person that set the parameters to the game that you're playing so that you could maximize your time here, your lessons here, and waking up here. You set these parameters. You created this game, and you're the one pulling the strings. Curtain calls. I gave myself a hard ride. <laughs> And that's it. That, I mean, that, to me, that's, that's how, I, that's how I, I view it. And people are like, well, well, what do I have to do with that person, right? Every single person on this planet can have their own experience based on their own set of rules. You and I could go to a ball game and, and, and we could be sitting side by side. We could each have a hot dog. We could each have a beer. We could, have, we could each be wearing the same pair of pants. Identical experience. My team wins. Your team loses. You walk away pissed off. I walk away happy. Identical physical experience two entirely different outcomes that's how we all coincide on this world at the same time absolutely i think and i think what people are what, what people don't want to believe honestly as that as far as people i see is that they don't want to believe that their reality is within their control mm -hmm. and yeah your team could have lost but you could have still been happy that well, that was a damn good hot dog and I had a good night out. It's all about how you perceive it. And, and it's just, or it's just a game versus people who it's not, it's a lifestyle. It's a religion. Oh yeah. And <laughs> but that's, that all part plays part into how they were raised, what, what went into their life. Like I live in Toronto. So for years before they, they, they slapped us with COVID, um, the team sucked, but everyone's like, why would you go to the Jays game? The Jays suck this year. Right. But for $35, you can go watch any team you want to play. So it's the Jays have to play somebody. Somebody yeah. has to win. You're going in for the experience. That to me is, is huge as opposed to the Jays have to win or I've had a shitty time, right? Two totally yeah. different mindsets. And that, and I think that that can be applied just in life in general. And you can, and I kind of feel that that's my role and maybe why I'm doing what I'm doing. I think, having two celebrities pay attention to my voice kind of made me go the fuck and to fight back to them to for me to know how far out of character that is for me to one open up and be vulnerable publicly to people that don't know me too to not back down it was 
it, um, it opened the, du the duality of life of just in those two experiences for me, just like the two experiences of having a bad, bad time at your game or a good time, um, taught me two completely different things about myself, completely different, both of which I'm proud of. But I'll tell you with the, ex the first experience, I made an ass out of myself 12 different ways before I understood it, <laughs> before I got to a point where I was just like, oh, that's why it impacted me that way. And I will tell you that even though, and I've told you who that was, me and my core, even though I'm just some stupid little person that she probably wouldn't even, probably for, has forgotten about. Be careful would, how you talk to yourself. <laughs> well, that's how she's talking about me. But I would kill to be able to call her and apologize for certain steps that I made. There are other things that I did that I'm very proud of, like sending her a letter and kind of just standing up and being, and what I said in my letter was very, I feel very impactful. Um, but then I also had people get in my head and I, it turned into a little bit more of an online bar fight. And for that, I'm, I'm deeply ashamed. And that was like a week after it happened. It fucked with me, dude. It oh, fucked with me. It's not supposed to. Uh, and at the same time, it is supposed to, which is, a, again, the duality of it all. If we live in uh, a, a time like if you, okay, so think about this, that affected you and changed how you do business. Yeah, it, it totally, about a week after it, when I was still, and I think part of that was that within seconds of the celebrity calling me out, there were tons of comments coming at me for just being like, hey, when you're, when you're somebody who loves an addict, it can be kind of hard. There's a lot of emotional trauma to process while being a support person. That's all I said. And it was just a slew of people attacking me. Mm -hmm. And then people started putting where I lived. Somebody had gone that psycho in seconds, in seconds. They doxed People had Googled yeah. my name and were posting where, like what city I lived in. And so the re recoil from that also included this fear of, that was an, an enormous platform. I don't know who saw it. I don't know who it's going to affect. It could impact my husband's job. It could impact this. And then about the a week later, is... all of a sudden I realized I was triggered that I was so triggered by that mm -hmm. and why? Well, and, and that's, that's the thing to sort of cut you off. These people, they, you know, that is the, that's the matrix pushing back. When you decide that you're going to stand up, that's the matrix pushing back. You should see the crazy shit that gets said about me. You know, it's insane. And all I try to do is, is promote a positive mindset towards certain things. But because I disagree or somebody's got a, you know, there's a Biden fan listening to me or whatever, you know, uh, even before the podcast, when it was just the Instagram, um, it was an interesting experience. And it feels weird to be this at my age to have cyber bullying. Well, they, okay. So, you. so yeah, but so, I understand the purpose of why I needed to go through it. Now yeah. I see the things that had I not taken that fucking punch to the face from the universe, I wouldn't have woken up to a certain part of myself. True. And, and now moving forward, you're going to be able to open yourself up and be like, this is probably coming. Right. But as yeah. long as, <laughs> as, as long as, as long as none of it is true, you're okay. Yeah. And, I and know that, myself. And from my experience, you know, the world can talk shit about me all they want. Right. And sometimes they do, 
Uh, and when that happens, I don't know, I don't know what, whatever triggers it, but maybe I pushed a cord. Maybe I got too close to the sun. Who knows? But these aren't real people. Anyone that's going to dox you and pull your info and blast it out there. Again, it's, it's a flash in the pan. It's not like there's a collective of the world, you know, constantly sifting through Instagram comments on a, on a thing. It's a bunch of douchebags trying to get noticed by an even bigger douchebag who gets paid. So your celebrity is a douchebag and right. they blasted you for whatever. And then their douchebag followers blasted them. Trying to get yeah. their attention. Yes, Trying exactly. So you got, you got, you, you, you understood it, that you shouldn't validate yourself through douchebaggery. Right. And, and, but it did take me because of the impact of it and because it was of what I was going through personally. And this is just to relate to people out there that don't really have anybody to talk to. And online is kind of a, a place of, am I normal? Do I, you know, you read comments. I know there's people. No, out there it's that not. <laughs> online is but a fucking cesspool. It's, not, it's, not it's everyone right. posting the highlight reel of their own God awful life. Anyway, but you've got to think of like, we are in control of the next generation to some degree. No. And there are kids that are paying attention and what are we teaching them? What are they taking from it? It's your experience. And, and so I, so I'm what? It's your experience. So yeah. your experience has nothing to do with the other kids. And the minute you start to realize that you need to start pushing again for yourself and not for, and, and, and the world needs to start pushing them for themselves. They cannot be like, well, you can't do this because this, this, and this. Like you don't wear a mask in Costco because you want old people to die. Well, first of all, you're just regurgitating bullshit off the news, right? Yeah. And everyone's got something to say. So when you talk about your, you know, the younger generation or the kids that you have to sort of lead into it, they are of the, they are, they are on their own journey. They aren't on your journey. Your journey is to become the best, the absolute best version of yourself and yeah. not worry about the other kids. So what you do when it comes to you, quote unquote, worrying about the other kids, it's just how you're going to carry yourself, how you're going to lead your example in this world. Yeah. And that, you know, that's how we worry about the other kids, he says with air quotes. But yeah, <laughs> online's a cesspool. Now, here's a fun thing about online and about your experience a couple of weeks ago. It, it gave you a taste of what it might be like once you do release a book and once you do share your opinion and you come toe to toe with somebody who wants to rip you down for putting in effort because you've got a book and they don't have a book. They think that you're a piece of shit. They think that you had everything in the world handed to you and that you, you easily just crafted whatever you want because their experience of you is, holy shit, you just showed up in my life waving around your privilege, right? Yeah. And because these are the victims. This is victim mentality. And people do not know, a lot of people do not know how to disassociate who they are without victim mentality. Now, the lesson that you learned here is a phenomenal one. And to, to correlate it, to parlay it into something that, you know, that is also in your life, Think about, think back to when you were 17 years old to that Saturday night where absolutely nothing happened. What lessons did you learn? Nothing. Back then? Nothing happened. Nothing at all. Right? The only lessons that you took were from pain moments. Sometimes Girl, sheer really joy. You learn sometimes from joy, but all of your lessons come from pain. Like Anything that ever made you cringe or, or you think back to it, you're like, eh, these are the moments that define who you, who you are as a person and who your character is. Yeah. As opposed to the moments where you're like, I, I was a rock star. I did this, I did that. Even when you're like, I mean, we've all had that moment where we were the bully, you know, where we were a little bit too much of a prick. And you look back on that, you're like, I wish I could apologize. Yeah. 
But I'll tell you, I had, a, I had a, an, interesting, uh, an interesting event that took place in my life where I had a, a former individual who had said some stuff about me and I knew about it and, and it didn't really affect me in any way, shape or form, but apparently it ate this guy up enough to the four years later, he wanted to apologize to me. And I realized at that moment in time where like, I didn't care about it at the time and I didn't care about it at the apology. I'm like, this guy's apologizing to me. Like, this is a bit ridiculous. But apparently he needed to apologize because he needed to clear his conscience. Now, what this taught me was every single person I felt that I should probably apologize to no longer needed an apology. Because whatever story I created in my head, I obviously made worse because that's what humans do inside their own head. We beat ourselves and, up. Yes. And why would I drag somebody else back through my experience to appease my own desire to relinquish myself from the guilt that I feel for the way that I treated this person? I have to make them relive it. Right. If it was painful to them, I'd have to, I'd have to subject them back to it because I want to apologize because I need to feel sorry. Right. Yeah. And this is the thing. So instantly after this guy comes back and says this crap to me, I'm like, what a, what a clown. And there was no hard feelings. There was no ill will. There was no nothing. I was instantly relieved of all my burdens to the others. And that's not like there was thousands of people that I, you know, I didn't have a big giant yeah. list of people that I'd wronged, but certainly it taught, you to let go. it taught me to let go. Yeah. And to not be the guy that forces my will back upon them again. And that was, that was really cool. That was a really cool experience. And I hope that this story, you know, may hold some water with some other people that, that, that are feeling that sort of thing, because again, you have to let go, but you have to take the lesson. Right. And I think a lot of times we end up, beating ourselves up for situations that we acted within the best, our best capabilities in that moment. But then we go and walk back through and identify our missteps. And that's where we get hung up mm -hmm. is when we go, like we all get triggered. Every single one of us gets triggered. Every single one of us will act like an ass or do something that we regret. The question is when you walk back through, can you understand and forgive yourself for what led you to to those actions and also let it go? Or are there, there are there times where you do need to walk it back with that other person and say, hey, I identify that I misunderstood here or I miss, I acted out here out of my own emotions. Um, because I do feel, and I think that just depends on the relationship. I also like, think, yes, the relationship, but also time. Right. True. Like, true. Like if, if, four, if, four years is a bit extreme. It's a bit extreme. Yeah. To come back. Right. But if you, if you fuck somebody over like last week and you're like, okay, you know what? I was a prick there. That was all me. Boom. Problem solved. And that's what we need that. to get better at. We yeah, need yeah. as humans, we need to get better at identifying when we've been that way shortly after not being afraid to look back and seeing yourself as you are. And, but also to understand, and I get like, like you have your own experience and all these things, but I, I truly believe that we do create an impact within other people's and we do have other people's experiences. And for me, my ultimate goal is not to control that impact entirely, but to do the best I can to leave a positive impact on people and also identify and grow for myself. Um, like I, there's so many things in my life that I could walk back and, and be so ashamed of. But at the same time, I look back at it and I go, I didn't know any better. I did what I could with the information I had at that time. And I've learned from it since. 
So why am I still holding myself to that same standard? 100%. If I've truly yeah. grown from this. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't uh, go back to a mindset after you've stretched it. Uh, and yeah. it takes pain. There's a lot of things you're like, fuck, I was a piece of shit. Um, I feel yeah. really bad, but you know, there's a ton of stuff like there's, there's somebody out there that fucking hates you right now. There's oh. somebody out there that you cut off in traffic and they spilled coffee on their pants. They didn't get the job. They didn't get to the job interview on time and, and they've got your license plate and they, and you will rue the day if they ever see you again. And you don't even know they exist and you're living rent free in this person's head because of a simple mistake. Right. Why I share that story is because if anybody ever cuts you off in traffic, know that you've done it to somebody else and don't feel that anger inside you because it's unnecessary because say la vie, easy come, easy go, right? Don't worry about all that sort of stuff. And when you talk about having a positive impact on other people, here's the catch. Here's the caveat, Look, caveat about having a positive impact on other people. You will only ever know other people's opinions based solely on what you think. Your Therefore, perception. anything that you think I'm thinking is just you thinking. So any amount of impact you could ever possibly have on somebody is bullshit. It's, it's all inside your mind. Everything that, once that person walks out of your line of sight and you like, you've, you've had this huge impact on them, you know, like the, like the end of the fucking movie, Rudy, where they're like cheering the kid on and got him <laughs> up on his shoulders. Right. That movie ends and they're all like, yeah. Right. 10 seconds later, they drop him, get a drink and fuck off for the rest of the day. Yeah. Nobody cares. Right. Nobody cares, but everyone's living in this massive moment, but nobody cares because everyone's so busy trying to be in the massive moment that anything that could possibly happen is it, it could come across as pretentious. It could come across as this, that, anything, right? There's no real rhyme or reason to, to anything that anybody else is doing that's outside of you, that's outside of your experience, that's outside of your influence internally. So you have to take yourself with a grain of salt and be like, I did the best I could right there for me. And yeah. that sounds selfish. And the world is taught not to be selfish. Right now, you need to get vaccinated because if you don't get vaccinated, my vaccine doesn't work. This is the argument that people are putting out there. You need to wear a mask because if you oh, yeah. don't wear a mask, my mask doesn't work. <sighs> the whole world is, is said to completely not pay attention to themselves, yet all the power is within. So we've been deceived. Now, how do you deceive somebody to constantly look outside unless it's you that's doing the deception? Which brings me back to full circle to you're the one that's in control of every single thing. And that is fucking powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. Once people see that. Um, we have come up to roughly the end of this particular episode. I had a lot of fun though. I really enjoyed getting to know you and getting to know your perspective and, and sharing this with the audience. And this is the first time in a very long time that I, uh, I didn't even vet you. I just said, hey, let's go rock and roll. <laughs> We went back and forth. So it, you know, it was a lot of fun. And, and again, over the Christmas holidays and everything changing. Before we go though, what, what's your take on what's coming up? If you feel like, you know, you want to share this, I'm interested to know what you think is going to happen January 6th and moving forward. Um, I am, I'm not sure. And honestly, but I feel like no matter what happens that there is going to be a, a massive divide amongst people. and. Um, I think our power is what we do in, in whether or not we seek to bridge that divide and truly doing that by looking within yourself and maybe seeing how 
what how you're mis misinterpreted or what you can do to control your impact even within your own life um i think that's what's going to get us through it but i i truly think that we have two to five years of pretty rough shit coming at us <laughs> i agree if you've got a cottage in the woods ladies and gentlemen hit the hills and i i tr- i think and that's it is that a bad thing no is that a bad thing to live in nature that's how we that's where you're at most at peace yeah now the question is is whether or not we can as souls or and energies or entities or ever whatever you want to believe in whatever you want to call people how if we're one collective video game how do we work together to win it we're working on that right now and i think that's going to be massively dependent on how we communicate with each other how we talk to each other I think that's changing. I, really I think do. I think that that's changing. There was a global um, meditation not too long ago. There's an energetic shift. There's talk of the earth being alive. Uh, you know, so there's there's so much out there that is you know, and it's also vibrational frequencies. You and yeah. I connected, and you and I are talking right now because our frequencies introduced themselves to each other more than you and I. So yeah, when absolutely. when connections happen, you, you sense them, you know them, and that's what's coming. More people are going to be connected. More people are going to be intuitive. Here's a, here's a fun game you can play, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't believe in, in, in you know, uh, psychic connection, wherever you are, if you're out in public, if you're doing anything, just stare at somebody. Anyone. Could be, it doesn't even matter how far away they are. Just look at them for longer than 30 seconds and they will look at you. They know you're looking at them. They feel that they're being looked at. They're going to start looking around and they're going to see you. Just keep looking at them until they look at you. It's less than 30 seconds, but they will. Just like when you're driving your car, you can drive and drive and drive. The minute you look at somebody next to you, they look right back at you every time. So this is, there's a connective, there's a connective force, a connective energy out there that's driving stuff. And we're not allowed to talk about it because it's one of those 95 things that they call you crazy. If you try to bring up. Which is kind of crazy that uh, just really quick when I had told you that. Oh, there's no um, rush. I'm just, I'm, I'm allowing the audience to be aware that, you know, we've come to our time and if we go over, we're going over, but you know, here we are, here we are, carry on. You can cut out if you want. Um, what I was telling you when I started doing the research for my book to where I wanted to start, I found that handwritten autobiography from my grandfather. Mm-hmm. He talks about premonitions in it and thing, that's things that in the 1900s, you are literally being killed for that for talking about stuff like that um, or so now, goes the not- story that we were told i believe our entire history is a, is a complete lie so if you look into you know tartarian and all that sort of stuff you see certain things that are differently but if we believe that talking premonition back in the 1900s gets you killed then there's an issue i mean the witch hunt wasn't about hunting witches it was about silencing truthers yeah so I, oh i for sure would have been burned at the stake <laughs> no yeah. questions yeah, me too but i think i think when it comes to what's going on in, in politics though i think it's all all already decided i truly think that we're anything that we're seeing now has already been decided and it's just being let out i 100 percent agree with that and that's where i get in trouble with a bunch of you know the the quote-unquote truth community because i think that this whole there's no way in hell that they would leave this up to chance we're simply watching a movie a scripted mm-hmm. movie that has been documented and you know well well charted um, so whatever the outcome is the outcome, uh, I put money on Trump sitting for another four years. 
so I'm hoping that that's the case simply because I like to be right when I gamble. Uh, but yeah, you know, so with the I, think he, I think he may get in, but if you want to go into the whole play of everything, um, during all of this, we, my husband and I were just kind of playing a game of darts and an Eminem song came on and I can't remember which one it is. I've looked for it, but there's a lyric in it and it's one of the older from like his MP three or now they're, I don't know what the albums are. That's how big of an Eminem fan I am. <laughs> but, um, there's a line that says in the end, Trump dies. And I've been trying to find out what song that is for so long just to listen to the whole thing and get the whole, but if it's all part of the game. Well, we'll even, the Simpsons, even the Simpsons predicted Trump's death, right? So, I mean, that sucks, but is it all part of bringing in the plan? Well, here's the thing. He doesn't have to die, right? This is, this is another thing that people don't want to talk about. You know, there were Elvis sightings for years after he died because people don't quite grasp the fact that celebrity and paparazzi, they're all working for the same team, right? So there are yeah. six people that own all the television shows. And if you want to quote unquote die, then those six people that own those shows say don't point the cameras at Tupac anymore. And Tupac yeah. just, goes about, just goes about his business, right? And they're like, oh, you're Tupac, right? Aren't you supposed to be dead? They're like, no, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're crazy. My name is Stan Smith. You know, I just and, look like him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I just look like the guy. No, I'm not him, right? And then he's got like thug life still on his chest and all that sort of stuff. Like, of course it's him, right? Elvis, you know, all of, and the funny thing is when you start talking about that sort of stuff, like you can really parlay it out to like everyone. Everyone that died has just left the public eye. They didn't right? necessarily have to die because think about all of the other things. Like you don't have any, like there's very, very few people that have a lot of experience with death other than, you know, their favorite celebrity and this, that, the other thing. I have too much. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you do, you know, but you know, the 90% of the world doesn't. And even you having that experience isn't me having that experience. Right? Yeah. So I only get to experience your experience. So you just become another part of the world. Once this episode gets turned off, you, you become somebody else's uh, pieces of information. Hopefully there's three nuggets in this show that somebody picked up and applies to their life, you know, but there's so much more to it. Um, I firmly believe that you'll be back on the show as well. I would love to, I would love to come and discuss all sorts of stuff. <laughs> we'll, we'll put you on with a panel for sure. We'll get you in there. But I also want to see you step your game up. I want to see you start writing that book. I want to see you, you know, create the webpage. I want to see you create a spot for people to come and talk and connect that have traumas and tragedies that aren't obliged to do a certain thing. And, and you could run the whole thing on donation only, you know, so people are like thankful to be there. It's so easy in today's day and age to, to, to get a webpage put up. You can get the whole thing banged out for less than two grand. And, and all it is, is you just, you know, convey your ideas and then it's created. It's manifested. So it's not hard. I'd love to see that. I, I, I would, and I, I do want to do that. I, I started an Instagram for my writing page and then I walked away from it just because I do put very, I put my heart and soul out into it. I'm vulnerable. I don't, I wrote about my experiences as they are and try to relate not only like my mistakes, but what I learn. And um, I just have never advertised it. And when it comes to writing a book, I think there's something powerful in that. I did start writing it. I got about 3000 words in and I was trying to write it in someone else's voice. Mm -hmm. I was trying to, trying to start the book from a story between a run in between Butch Cassidy, true story, Butch Cassidy and my great, great, great grandfather. <laughs> Your great grandfather was Butch Cassidy? 
was friends with Butch Cassidy. Oh boy, the plot. Yeah. Thinking, right? All right. I think I know where I think I know where his buried treasure is, and I'm gonna go dig on a mountain this week. Give me a show. Kind I'll of, come with you. I'm kind of joking, but I'm a little bit serious. I'm kind of joking, um, but here's the map. <laughs> but like really kind of know the history of the area. Fantastic. Um but I found myself trying to write from a a voice that I felt would I was trying to write from almost a non-binary voice. Mm. Um of wanting to, because I do relate, the majority of my friends are men. I don't, women don't connect with me in a lasting manner. Mm, jealousy. But men do. And well, PTSD, combat, combat Marine infantry veterans do. There you <laughs> they go. connect with me. And there's a so, lot of those people out there right now by themselves that would love to connect. And they're not, they're not crazy. Like it's all, it all makes so much sense as soon as you can take a step back. So for my husband, we didn't, he was told multiple times that he didn't have PTSD by the VA, by, by psychiatrists. Turns out he hadn't like, there was levels of his trauma that he had completely blocked out. He had blacked out in his brain, but the emotional impact was still controlling his behaviors. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until he got with a really good psychotherapist that was able to unlock those memories that he had blocked out that they were like, yeah, about that. Not you not having PTSD turns out you do. It's, and it's severe, but because of the, the level of trauma was so deep and so hard for him, he just put that as like, that wasn't a big deal in my head. It's not that he forgot the memory. He just convinced himself mentally that it didn't emotionally impact him. So he never brought it up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of our military guys are struggling with was that was just that day's work. That's what they were told. That's what they it's brainwashing, but it's necessary brainwashing. And I don't want that to come across as anti-military because I'm not, I understand the purpose for it. And I understand why it has to be the way that it is. It's just un- rewiring their brains the right way when they're no longer in the service. Why I would state that I could be anti-military. It's because the idea of military in and of itself is a farce. The idea that we need to attack other countries in at the core of what that stands for is fake. Every single yeah. person needs to embrace everybody and lift everybody up. True. I guess we, not anti-military, not just not anti-troops, not anti. I'm a hundred percent pro-troop because these guys, these guys were lied to, manipulated, tricked, you know, abused. The only time it's okay to murder, you go to jail for the rest of your life if you kill twenty people, unless the government says go over to that country and kill 20 people. And that's just that day's work. And it's not supposed to impact you as a human and go home and don't and just be fine. How many did you get? Oh, I got, I got 20 today. Oh yeah. Right. That shit's fucked up, man. That is fucked. You took a life. That shit is fucked up, fucked up, fucked up, fucked up. Jesus. Anyway, I, I can't even, I can't even fathom that. Like, and, and it's, it's just like, I couldn't even go, I can't even go hunting for deer for sport. Like I can't take that life. Yeah. And it's, it's a crazy thing. Like it, I mean, that's the, you know, and then of course you're going to have that one hero. That's like, well, you eat meat, don't you? Like, fuck man, barely. And I'm, I'm, I'm totally torn every time I do. So it's, you know, it's a weird thing that we all have to go through in our lives and it's not good and it's not bad. And this is one of the major, major things that I've picked up in my journey is that there is no good and bad. Murder can't, murder can't be good and bad. Murder can't be good when it's for your country, bad when it's against your country. It can't be. Murder is murder, right? So, you know, and then again, it's like there's so many, there's so many variations, so many variables, and everybody's got their opinions. You know what? Every single person, not only are they entitled to their opinion, but their opinion is right. 
And I'm not going to argue with it because even though it's not my opinion, it's not worth me fighting over. And, we're not and that stems from them not being able to step out of sight outside their own scope of reality. Yes. And that's your opinion may be right. My opinion may be just as right, just depending on how I view the situation. Mm-hmm. And the trick I think is learning to see and understand. So my goal in life right now is I realize that my weakness is that I don't speak every love language and that I'm desperately trying to help people in my life through really hard situations. But I'm kind of a, a, I don't sugarcoat things. I just smack you in the face with it. This is how it is. Get your shit together. (laughs) And that doesn't work for everybody. It works for me. Does not work for my mom. But (laughs) we all um, have issues with our moms. I think that that's a thing too. Oh, you know, no one told me in the grieving process that, because my dad, my dad died and I had a really, really great relationship with both my parents. Mm -hmm. I was very much a daddy's girl, very much under my dad's wing. So when my mom, when my dad died, I, I subconsciously kind of turned to my mom. Like I could still have those deep intellectual conversations that I would have with my dad, with her. And when she was going through her grieving process, she wasn't able to connect on that level. But I, no one told me that losing one parent can greatly upset your relationship with the other one. And so you really are in in my experience. And I don't know if it's unique or if there's other people going through that, you really are grieving two relationships. One's just transforming while the other one's ended. Mm-hmm. And in that transformation, I've, I also have realized like I, this is important to me and I need to take a step back and let my mom heal and address how I'm, how I'm communicating with her and how, so we can get to a point, point where we're both feeling the love that is intended rather than, miscommunicating because we speak different love languages. 100%. Absolutely. And that's imperative too. Your situation is is more unique than you think, however, because most, oh yeah, because because most kids your age, kids my age, I'm 10 years older than you, but our parents never made it to death. They all got divorced. So, you know, when your dad dies, your mom, like my dad's been gone for years. My mom bought him a CD. You know, that was the last time that they connected. And it's like, oh, so he's dying. So he had, a, he knew he was dying for a year. She's like, here's a, here's a Bob Dylan CD. I hear you like Bob Dylan. You know, so like there was no trauma. You know, now then my mom's husband died um, and she was traumatic, but I wasn't, I had zero connection to him whatsoever. So I logically talked her through the bullshit of, not, not the bullshit of his death, but the bullshit that surrounded the next steps of, what was coming. So, I mean, there's pros and cons to all of it, but yeah, man, when you, when you are trying to have your grieving for losing a dad and she's, she's having her, she's like, she knew him longer than you did. So completely different relationships too. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's, that, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that you bring up and you know, till death do us part. Hey man, they won. They got there, you know, they did get there and not to take it, you know, not to take it lightly, but there are so many things that happen in death and I don't view death as the final chapter at all. I don't view death as anything. I don't view time the way it's, it's been handed to us because when, when you die, you could just like chill out with your dad, right? Uh, immediately afterwards, right? But if you look at this as the video game status that I put out there initially or earlier, yeah, right? You and your dad are sitting around and, and you jumped into this game, right? You all came into this game together and you all jumped in at the same time. He showed up before you, created you, and you, you stuck around after him right? But 
at the end of it all, you all take the helmets off at the same time. You're like, that was crazy. We all had it's like, like the new Jumanji. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Where do you think Jumanji got their idea from? I'm telling you. <laughs> right. So this is it. Like we enter the game. We all come in together and we all go out together. The game ends yeah. at the same time. So you're in, this is all, this is all talked about greatly in soul contracts, which is something that I absolutely love. Hans Wilhelm goes into it and a bunch of other people uh, speak highly of it. Um, and it's a fifth dimensional thing and soul contracts are just beautiful. It's I'm, I'm loving mine. I mean, it's been really hard. I've lost a best friend, my first love, my dad, like there's, it's been, I've been as of people that I've loved. You know, in Louisiana, that would have all been the same person. <laughs> Sorry, oh, my listeners man. in Louisiana, just, just having a laugh, just having a laugh. It's, and I lost my first love married. And it, that one threw me for a loop and was so hard to navigate because it brought up old emotions. And I think things that need to be talked about more is it's okay to have old emotions that you've healed from. But when he died, it brought everything to the surface. And my husband was like, you are grieving this dude that hasn't been in your life for 10, 15 years. What is going on? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know either. (laughs) It took me so long to figure out that and it took me like an emergency therapy session, honestly, which I think anybody and everybody can benefit from therapy and the stigma between that needs to just go away. Like I go once every six months when my life comes crashing down. It's not like you have to go every single week, but um, it, was, it wasn't until going into therapy that I started being able to make sense of that grief coming out of nowhere. Like talk about having massive grief because there's, there's a lot of parallels that go along with that particular situation, which we'll, we can talk about privately, but um, it threw me for a freaking loop and it threw my marriage through a loop. And how long um, were you married? 11 years. Jeez. You got an early you, start on that. eh? Yeah. We well, where we live. That's it's normal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from salt. I'm from salt Lake. So, <laughs> but, um, um, so yeah, I did get married young, but in my mind, I've, I've always been an old soul anyway, but, um, to navigate that differently, it, it did open up a different level of understanding, even within my spouse and I, where I, he saw me going through this and though he felt his own emotions of confusion and what is going on, he had to like take that step of pride and that ego step backwards and go, okay, she's obviously really hurting over this. What can I do? Mm-hmm. And even though it was hard for him, he like attended the candlelight vigil with me. He did a couple things and then we talked it out. But I think there's that level of, we, we do feel sh- like shame and guilt for having emotions that we don't understand. And I know I do. I know I feel ashamed for some of my emotions that I'm like, people probably think I'm crazy to feel this way or that this is, there's lunacy behind it. There's a, there's or a, I think too much. There's a, a cross hatch to that as well, which is my situation. And I'm very low on the emotional side of things. I logically look at a lot of stuff. So when you're overly emotional, there's, that's kind of a neat contrast to, you know, somebody like me, you know, if I put myself in your husband's shoes, I'd be like, well, what would be the big deal? Why wouldn't I go to this vigil? If she wants to go, if she lost a friend, I'm going to go. I don't think anything of it, but it causes strife in, in your, not, not permanent strife, but certainly something yeah. that you guys had to talk about, you know, and that to me doesn't make any sense. So we all have, again, like you said, different love languages. We have a different, you know, a different approach. I mean, 
it's not that I'm uh, cold hearted and have no emotions. It's just that emotions have to be tied to logic to me. Like I never sit there and just get like uncontrollably emotional unless yeah. a dog dies in a movie, then it's just like, <laughs> waterworks. You know, I'm not down with that. So it, it, it's a crazy thing. You know, we all have this experience and we all think that, that we're the same as everybody else. So we think that we're talking to them on, on our level, on their level, but there's so much more to it. And the minute we say to ourselves, fuck, I don't know a damn thing. That's when you can start asking real questions and that's when you can start getting to better answers. Yeah. And I think for reevaluating your own reactions to things is where that starts really is walking for me. I mean, it did for me and maybe I, I, I know I'm not everybody and I'm not like that unique of a person, but Maybe I am. Maybe I'm highly unique. I don't know. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I think we're all, we, we all, we all are 100% unique because we all are the only thing that we've ever experienced. My yeah. thoughts are, are, are mine. Like I, right now I'm chatting with you and I'm having a great time connecting, but at the same time I'm having my experience, right? So when, yeah. we, when we click off from here, you're going to go and do your thing. I'm going to go do my thing. And we've both got this experience. And then every single person that listens to this today, tomorrow, a month from now, a year from now, they're going to listen to this and they're going to go off and have their own experience. And they're going to say, that's the longest close I've ever heard on this show. Cause we started at about 15, oh, 40, actually about 45 minutes ago, roughly. So no, no, there was no, there was no, uh, there was no intent on that. I was just in my mind. I had just gone an hour. Some of my shows have gone three, four hours, you know? So, I mean, I have a few, a few listeners go, when are you going to bring back the four hour shows? I'm like, do you have any idea how much it costs, like it, the time to create that and, and then edit <laughs> it properly? Oh gosh. So it's a, you know, it, it, it this is a passion, a passion project. Everything that I do in life nowadays at this age is a passion project. And that's good. Up, that's what's going to get you somewhere is if your heart's up, in it, you'll do it. I woke up at 40 years old and I said to myself, this is day one of the rest of my life. And it's been really cool. And prior to day one of the rest of my life, I lived a really fucked up fast paced, crazy first half of my life. Like, like how am I still alive? Crazy. Um, and all of those things. Yeah. You're going to have guilt. You're going to have fear. You're going to have, you know, all this sort of stuff, but you know, it capped off with, for me getting emergency gallbladder surgery, um, uh, last month during the COVID. That's what I'm saying. Like I was in the hospital during COVID. So I've got people yelling at me being, Oh God, it's everywhere. We're all dying in the hospital. I'm like I was in the hospital. The nurses don't even know what's going on. So that's how, that's how my life ended. I faced death. And whether you think it's real, like whether something's absolutely real, your brain thinks it's real, it's real, right? It if is. your brain's like, this is it. Like, and my brain was like, you're fucking dying. You're dying today. I came to, I came to it and I said, I'm, I'm putting on pants. And people are like, you don't die from gallbladder. I'm like, fuck, man. The pain, according to a lot of people that have had this experience and a lot of people in the hospital, the pain is worse than childbirth this gallbladder, depending on the size of the stone, how it's positioned. And now I had like, mine was destroyed and it was gangrenous. So I had like a triple whammy and it's like one stone moved and they all moved and they all shifted and picture like wrought iron being shoved through your, through your, your midsection. That's what happened. And then the pain rotated up and grabbed my heart. Right. And when, as soon as it grabbed my heart, it felt like a cast iron on my heart. That was it. My brain was like, you're done. This that is was how, your, yours was a physical pain. Yeah. This is like, yeah. And that's like, this is where you go. This is, this, is, this is how you go out right here, right? I tried to walk it off for two hours before I went to the hospital. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that was it. My body was like, my brain was like, you're dead. This is it. I said, well, if I'm dying, I'm putting on those pants. So I found out what my death pants were. 
<laughs> and I made that decision and I made that decision. And, and it was funny because I thought it was it. I, th- I figured this is like, honestly, in my life, this is how I go out. And the neat thing, the cathartic thing after that is I did die that day. The final version of me that was, you know, leading up to 40 died that day. And the person that you see in front of you right now is an entirely different person, an entirely new rebirth. And I get to take everything that I built prior to 40 and I get to apply it to right now, all kinds of new learning, all kinds of new stuff. And that's a mentality. It's, so such, it, it, it's such an exciting mentality where I am not who I was. I'm definitively not who I was. I barely even sound the same. And for me, though, your, your experience and your awakening of changing who you are came from a physical pain. Mine was emotional. It was, and this, I'm going to go dark here just because that's, I'll be real. How we go. Was after my dad died, my husband was also simultaneously while my dad was hospitalized and dying. My husband was having these medical episodes that we couldn't explain. Turns out he had epilepsy and he was, and shortly after my dad died, my husband had an epileptic seizure that nearly killed him. Hmm. He was unconscious for six minutes, not breathing. They finally got him revived. He comes to a vegetable, like a vegetable type state, figured that out. Shortly after that, one of our best friends, like literally three days after my husband has this epileptic seizure, which is about a month after we buried my dad, two months, our best friend is the victim of of an attempted murder. And I'm reading a news article one morning about this shooting. And I'm like, so-and-so sounds like you pissed off so-and-so too much. And then all of a sudden I'm reading the at like the general vicinity. And I was just like, oh fuck, like maybe I, maybe I'm not joking. So I ended up having to call my husband and be like, so after all of that, I'm carrying all this weight and the epileptic medication that the seizure control medication my husband was put on was like the equivalency of human rabies. It was for somebody who has combat PTSD, it was like pouring gasoline on it, Hmm. the medication, the side effects of it. And, um, carrying the grief grieving process and trying to help friends through tough situations and trying to keep my husband trying to figure everything out and also being a parent in the same same boat I turned to a friend one day and said like I need help this is I can't do this and they said figure out your problems on your own and That was a moment where I've been suicidal before suicidal. I say that in quotes because I think it's been mostly external dramatic things that are happening to me that I feel like, Oh, I can't cope. That was the first time in my life that I was suicidal from a place internally. Mm -hmm. And from going, if I got, if I die at this moment, I'll be, I know I'll be at peace because I'll be with my dad and the person who understood me. And I was okay. I was like finding peace in my head, finding peace over the thoughts of being gone and being able to set this weight down. And it was short, like within that time frame, that all of a sudden I heard what I was telling myself in my brain and just went, what the actual fuck Amber? Like, what are you doing? And that's when I just said to a lot of people in my life, I can't handle your emotions right now. I have to handle my own. I love you. And it wasn't out of love. It was literally out of survival is if I continued trying to help the people, I wasn't, I didn't have enough emotional bandwidth to help myself anymore. I was pouring into so many other people's cups and having no one pour into mine that I was depleted. I was completely depleted. And I did that to myself. I'm not, I don't think that someone else's feelings. It's I neglected 
to well, see you, how far I was slipping. You strike me as the kind of person that charges on her own. So you give mm-hmm. your energy freely, but for you to get more, you, you stay alone and you charge up. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's how and I see you. That's pretty accurate. And, but that comes with, a, a, as I also get energy from helping these people, from helping people, from being the one that people can come to with deep, dark secrets that they would never tell anybody. And they can come with, come to me going, Amber will just get it. Mm-hmm. And she's not going to judge me. And she's not going to judge my spouse or somebody else who's done something wrong because I see the duality of the situation. So I do take a lot of self-worth from being somebody that people can turn to. But in those moments, I realized I had always carried that weight with my dad also helping me to get carry it by helping expand my perspective when I was missing something. Mm -hmm. So when things did get too heavy for me, I had someone to someone unbiased and someone who was, would tell me how it was to help me carry it. And after he died, I no longer had that. And I was still trying to juggle all of it plus more weight and going, I can do this. I can do this because I had made a a promise to my dad the day before he died that I was not going to let his death break me Mm -hmm. that no matter what I was going to take the good out of it, I was going to take the lessons. Um, I had no fucking clue how intense the grieving process can be. And especially when you have other things going on and then the apocalypse hits the following year and you're just like, what the fuck is life? (laughs) Yep. What is this? It comes at you pretty quick. That's for sure. But, but it definitely, so my, my switching around to going, I can do this, but I also have to pay attention to myself and, and balance it came from a point of being completely smothered under the weight of the emotional world. And that creates, that creates strength and character though. I mean, you're, you're, you're having a rough go right now, but you, you've built a solid foundation for moving forward, which brings me back to your book full circle. You need to be getting that in there. You need to be starting. You need to start creating that. You need to create a place for people to go and talk to you. cannot be, and this is something that somebody told me a long time ago. You cannot be a preacher in your own backyard. Therefore, everyone you're trying to help is not giving you the, the energy that you're looking for. And I know that feeling. So the work that I do, you know, when I'm able to help with people, these people aren't in my own backyard. These people aren't my friends and family. Um, these people are, are beautiful people that need help. Just like those people, they can't turn to their family. They have to turn to a stranger. You know, there's, there's a, that, that saying is just so profound. You can't be a preacher in your own backyard. I like so that. when you try to elevate people and to get energy, not, you don't try to get energy, but when you try to elevate people and you try to be the best version of yourself, you need to be talking to people that you connect with, that you connect with on this realm and in this realm um, that aren't in your backyard. These are the people that are going to benefit you the most. And these are the people that you're going to benefit the most. You have a very, very bright future ahead of you when it comes to teaching, helping uh, and creating a positive energy for others. Um, and I think that's amazing. I'm, I'm really happy to have had you on the show before you became super famous. Um, that's what's going to happen. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I hope, I mean, I hope, I think I could handle it and I think I could handle it in a way that I hold on to my integrity. Perfect. 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 Um, and is there anything else that you wanted to add? Because I am going to wrap the show now. Uh, so okay. I will, I will give you the floor for the next minute or so. If you, uh, if you've got anything you want to 
carry on with? No, this is this has been really fun. I would love to have another conversation where we deep dive into duality and understanding logic and balancing logic versus emotion versus emotion. I think it would be a very powerful powerful conversation for people out there. My logic versus your emotion. It would be it would be a celebrity death match. I'd love it. <laughs> um, I think hey, maybe be- not a death match. Maybe <laughs> we'll bring it'll shed light. It It'll will be a light match. It would. It absolutely would. It'll be light, light match. match. There Perfect. You go. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. I, I love the idea of it. Uh, and we're definitely going to have you back on the show. The audience will certainly make sure of that. Um, so then, ladies and gentlemen, on uh, that note, in the infamous words of Red Green, keep your stick on the ice. Thank you for listening to today's Mental Mastery Alliance podcast. Let the team know you're listening by using the hashtag MMA and Mental Mastery Alliance. Want more motivation? Be sure to follow online on Instagram at Mental Mastery Alliance and on Facebook at Mental Mastery Alliance. And remember, your perception creates your reality. Make it a great day. You got it, Pontiac.